Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. This afternoon in the Whiskey Society, we are hanging out with Mr. Rob Coldwell, who actually, you were here almost two years ago? Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me back, Pedro. Yes, but we didn't record the podcast, so now we have to. <laughs> well, we had a very, like a, a small group of people and kind of give them a unique experience, so this time, wider audience. That's right. So, Rob, how did you get into the brand ambassador world? You used to be a bartender yeah. in Australia, like... Uh... Yeah, I grew up in a, on the east coast of Australia, and it's literally the only thing I've done with my life. Uh, <laughs> like 20 years as a bartender. Uh, tra traipsing around the world and then made the mistake of meeting an Irish girl. So I've been in Ireland for the last nine years now and uh, I'm very, very, very happy. Tell us that story. How did you meet your, your uh, Irish girl? Well, it was part of the kind of traveling around. So I bartended, you know, Canada and a bit of London and here and there and went from Manchester to Dublin was ready to kind of call it quits and go all right back to Australia probably should you know stop being a nomad and met her and the visa was at end so we're like what do we do and everything just kind of fell into place they put me through college and uh, I was there you know doing um, whiskey college. college no it was a photography course oh okay yeah I was working in a bar and they put me through a photography course to keep me there uh, under a student visa and then yeah, we went to Australia for a little bit and now, yeah, like seven years later, we're still together. She That's puts beautiful. up with me, so she must be, <laughs> she must be brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. You're in the whiskey business. I am, It's yeah. not easy. I am. I, uh, I do enjoy it though, I, I cannot tell a lie, it's, it's been great. And where did you, uh, your, your love of whiskey, where did it first kind of like start bringing you down the road? Is this the first brand that you've been a brand ambassador for? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there was there was kind of jokes and, and things like that. Um, when you're a bartender, you're like, oh, would you ever think about making the, the, the leap? And I think it was cognac. Someone asked me, you know, would you be interested in, you know, applying for a cognac brand? I was like, I, I don't think so. Uh, I don't I don't have that personal love for cognac. I don't know much about it. I have to do a lot of research. Whereas myself and my partner, Linda, we care about whiskey. I've worked in whiskey bars, you know, not as cool as this whiskey bar, but I've definitely worked in whiskey bars in Canada and I developed loves. I was lucky enough to work for a guy and he basically said to me, how much do you know about whiskey? And I tried to blag it like most people do. The, oh, I know a bit. And he, he put me to the, to the sword and I'm like, okay, I don't know as much as I think I know. <laughs> so then he was, he was very generous and said, look, I want you to try a different whiskey every night of the week, start a tasting journal and we'll go through it. And he helped me develop that love. Uh, so I you know, grew up in Australia where you know, Beam is king and, and that sweet tooth is there. Uh, and then developed single malt scotches in Ottawa of all places, then back to London and developed my bourbon palette a little bit when Pappy was affordable. Um, <laughs> Way back then, you don't look that old. Uh, and then went to Ireland and fell in love with Irish whiskies. And yeah, I was a big advocate for Irish whiskies and that's how I met the Teeling guys uh, and yeah, really got involved in Irish whiskey and haven't looked back since. Brilliant. Mm. And uh, so Teeling, yes. the first Dublin distillery in 50 years. 125 years. 125 first, years. First new distillery in Dublin in 125 years, producing the first whiskey to come from Dublin in 50 years. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, so it's a- uh, 50 was in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Scanning my notes. <laughs> um, 
but have you been to the distillery and you did the full education at the distillery and learned about their like processes? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I've, I've done the Middleton Academy. I've done, you know, plenty of different distilleries. Obviously, when the lads built the distillery in 2015, I was one of the first bartenders to work there for them. Uh, being a big, you know, they're big at bringing people in. So when we were running bars back in 2012, we met the guys numerous times. And the minute the facility was up and running, they were bringing everyone in, going, please come and see. And even to this day, you can go in and see warts and all, exactly what's happening in Teeling and see how we're you know, trying to innovate the category and, and do things a little bit different and taste a bunch of different whiskies. So being a part of that and being able to have such a hands-on experience, uh, yeah, it really kind of made me fell in love with the brand even before I worked for them. And what do you think philosophically, I mean, what, are they trying to do what is Teeling trying to bring to market that's not already out there that like sets you guys apart from other kind of Irish whiskies or more specifically are you trying to emulate a certain Dublin style I mean give us a sense of what's the purpose of the of the brand you know yeah of course I mean it's very much about leading with flavor being inspired by the traditions of Irish whiskey you know it's so much prevent uh, so much history and provenance that comes with the Irish category we you know want to be inspired by that but we also want to take irish whiskey into the future we want irish whiskey to be seen on those top shelves again you know we want to be known as a world-class whiskey that just happens to be from ireland as opposed to being defined by that category because globally you know people still look at the irish category as that one green brand and we got a lot of work to do as a category to kind of uh, bring people to the to the different categories of Irish whiskey. Uh, and that being said, you know, the, the whiskey industry is a marathon, not a sprint. We don't know what the next kind of finishing or the next kind of big thing in an evolution of flavor will be in the whiskey industry, not just the Irish category, unless you've gone to the uh, effort of, you know, distilling with weird wonderful mash bills and, and experimenting with uh, fermentation types. Uh, playing around with distillation and then obviously somewhere we kind of lead is, is maturation as well you know we've, we've aged up and used up to 100 different casts of maturation our whiskies so hopefully in the future we can use those learnings to develop new and exciting whiskies that's cool so a lot of experimentation in barreling yeah <laughs> but where are we starting off with our tasting tonight what's the first uh mark you'd like to try uh, i think we're going to start off with our breakfast whiskey this is our teeling single grain i think it's important uh it's monday evening <laughs> around 4 p.m i think it's a perfect time for a little breakfast whiskey so this has a lot of structural similarities to American whiskies in that this is a uh, prominently corn-based column distillate. So single grain in Irish and Scottish whiskey is any combination of grain that isn't malted barley. So any mash bill, you know, the, the very broad category of American whiskies have their defined categories. Make any of those in Ireland or Scotland and you're pretty much defining it into single grain, which is a very underutilized category. We're trying to bring our own kind of unique spin on it. So we have a 95% uh, corn mash bill here, column distilled. Where it differs from American whiskey, however, is this is aged in Californian Cabernet Sauvignon casts. So European oak casts shipped to Napa Valley and uh, held some Californian Cabernet Sauvignon before we being shipped to us. So it's not finished, it's fully matured in uh, red wine. So it that's delicious. Yeah, so all four we're going to try today, or maybe we've got a fifth dish. Uh, but these four anyway, 46% uh, ABV or 92 proof, non-chill filtered, no colouring, and uh, we do them in small batches. 
So uh, we know that's a kind of overused term, what it means to us, 50 casts or less. It's manageable, you know yourself, it's manageable for our small team to taste all those casks and ensure that balance of flavor is there. Rather than going for a specific number on the bottle, you can see none of those are age statements. We'll grab the whiskey, we'll use the whiskey when it's ready. And it means that every 18 months or so when we have to do a new batch, we have to rebalance the whiskey so we get better at making our own whiskeys. Of course, that's interesting. It's, it's something that's interesting to talk about and how there's a lot of control that brands can have over their whiskey that they're releasing year to year. They don't have to tell anybody that like, oh, we <laughs> played around with the recipe a little bit or we distilled at a little bit slower yeah, yeah, that's speed, a thing. You, you get know, whatever. Like they don't talk about that, but you can <laughs> change the overall flavor of your brand year to year subtly, and maybe nobody really ever writes yeah. a letter or makes a call. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, that's hundred percent true. Not so that people don't notice, but it doesn't cause them to be like, "Hey, what the hell?" You yeah, know? Exactly. Like, I remember when I had this as a kid. It's completely different now. Uh, no, we get that. People, you know, we've got the batch dates on the bottle, so yeah, there are people that kind of go, "Oh, that single malt from 2016." is uh, this, you know, this kind of uh, flavor profile, I got a lot more malic kind of spice nowadays, it's a little bit more dark fruits. I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, the way that the whiskey has matured, it's a little bit older, you know, the, the single malt that goes into that particular whiskey is anywhere from nine to 23, old, 23 years old, and that's not getting any younger anytime soon, so it's... Well, that's really good. I get like plum and chocolate. It's yeah. uh, really nice and drying on the back of the palate. Um, oh, yeah, it's delicious, it's got great structure. Yeah, both the tannins from the skins of red grapes and the European oak really kind of counterbalance that light sweet style of corn-based distillate. Plus non-chill filtration, corn-based distillate, super silky, uh, mm. caramel-like mouthfeel. Mm -hmm. Wow, beautiful. Mm. If I was going to buy a bottle for my home bar, what would that run me in my local liquor store? Uh, we could pick it up yesterday off the off the, the liquor store. It was fifty five dollars. Beautiful. But uh, yeah, the texture is really remarkable. It's such a beautiful sipper. But I, I've just been told off camera there it's uh, it's forty here in LA. Or California, across California, sweet. Even better. Forty bucks. That's that's way better. That's great. That's, nice. Now we're stoked. <laughs> I mean, we're stoked anyway. It's got great structure, but. At 40 bucks, it's a very affordable as well. Yeah, it continues to do okay for us. It won uh, world's best single grain the year we released it back in 2013 and continues to win our best Irish single grain. So it'll be always our kind of best foot forward in that category at, a, at approachable price points. Um, and do you know how long of a fermentation they're doing there with the corn? Uh, not with the corn, uh, because that's done, we, we source our uh, Column-based distillate. Oh, interesting. But in Dublin, we have pot stills and. So you're buying whiskey. that as a blending whiskey, or uh, as a blending alcohol, so to speak, because it's more like vodka, right? It's like a corn vodka. Then it, it that this isn't the grain whiskeys. You can distill them at a lot higher yeah. proof. Yeah, and so. these these are distilled by John Teeling, so we get a pretty good oh, deal wow. from. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but but he, so he's actually it's just off premise. He's very much in control of the flavor profile of the blending whiskey. Uh, Jack and Stephen, his sons, they basically go to John and say, "We are looking for this specific whiskey for uh, our uh, core range," and then they work together on that one. And that's what gives it that beautiful dryness on the palate and such like. The very specific structures, like knowing how to blend, you know, very specifically, and someone who makes all the aspects of it, yeah. you know, kind of makes a big difference. Traditionally, blends are done with a lot of different makers, hand in the mix, so yeah. to speak. Uh, what is the second whiskey you want? So we're going to try? try our uh, small batch. So small batch is our flagship product. 
So this is in 80 countries now, does a lot of the heavy lifting for us. So, like I said before, that's kind of, this Irish category has been kind of dominated and defined by Jemison and those market leading blends for a long period of time. So to the average consumer reaching for an Irish whiskey on the shelf, they are looking for that certain flavor profile. So to go too left field from that, uh, you know, you might scare them off a little bit. So this kind of appeals to that consumer, but obviously, you know, it's done in a very specifically tealing way. We did a lot of experimentation on how the two separate components of a blend will marry together. So they, so Alex Chasco, our master distiller and master blender, did experimentation in glass, in plastic IBCs, in steel and in wood, and basically experimented on, you know, the, the hypothesis one plus one equals three, do these two separate ingredients. Uh, with this interaction of a third kind of environment create something new. So we, uh, we did a lot of experimentation there. We brought people like yourselves into the facility and had uh, you all try a bunch of whiskies. What we found was the implementation of a marrying cast that previously held Californian, oh, not Californian, Central American rum uh, introduced this very uh, lovely rum raisin finish and uh, aroma to this whiskey. So it's uh, three parts grain, one part malt, aged separately in ex-bourbon casks for about four to six years, and then into Central American rum casks for about six to 12 months, depending. Wow. And then, yeah, small, small batch of those casks and blended accordingly. Well, again, it's got this beautiful, sweet, like honeysuckle alcohol in the nose. I get a little apple-y kind of vibe in there as well. Mm. So, like I said, the rum raisin always hits me. It's, you know, a big part of my experience with this whiskey, but I also get an underlying clove and dried fruits coming from that uh, oh, Central wow. American rum, like fig, apricot, date. Yes, you're right. Yeah, the rum malic. comes through really strong on the taste. Like, but, not, but not overpoweringly so either. It's delicious. Mm. It adds a beautiful depth, you know. <laughs> Yeah, we've been quite lucky with that one. It's, it's very versatile, you know, makes a fantastic whiskey sour, but we're also seeing bartenders across the globe utilizing it in a myriad of different ways. Oh, you know, awesome. eyeballs, whiskey sours, uh, stirred down cocktails, you know, your uh, Manhattan, your Boulevardier, your old fashioned. Mm. So it's- uh, It's got good spice, chocolatey, stewed fruit, some floral notes in there as well. It's really got a, a lot going on. Mm. Beautiful Irish whiskey. Mm -hmm. Right on. And how much is the small batch running at my local liquor store? 35. Wow. 28? 28. 28. Wow. Wow. See, there you go. My exchange rate's terrible. I'm not normally dealing in euros. Kind of like get them a <laughs> Just get a little cheat like, sheet. You know, how really much is euros versus. Yeah. You're getting good whiskey for the money. <laughs> Woo. Jeez. I'm. Anyway, I digress. It's not going to get political <laughs> right now. Thank you, sir. Don't try to bait me into that. Uh, we're not going to do it. So you can do tours now at Teeling in, yeah. in Dublin. Yeah, we now have uh, averaging out about 100,000 people a year coming through the distillery. So Dublin Amazing. is a, a great time. 
uh, next time you head over there, definitely come by the distillery and we'll... Do, do, you, uh, do they let the employees like stay? Do you guys have like a Teelings Inn or anything cool like that? Yeah, yeah, you can uh, give me a shout and I'll make sure that I take you behind the scenes and we'll see some secret stuff. Secret stuff? <laughs> Whoa, that sounds creepy and cool. Um, and what is your email for our listeners? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, um, now, I know that the history in Dublin of yep. a lot of the way that the bars were set up, the larger bars, a lot of times they would have a brewery mm -hmm. on premise and then also sometimes an adjunct distillery. So is that kind of like, are you guys kind of reinvigorating that idea at the Teelan facility now? Uh, not really, not to that extent, uh, not to that kind of wine merchant bonder culture. We are 100%, you know, have a a cafe experience and an educational kind of area, uh, kind of informative kind of pieces about history, less because obviously you could spend five hours talking about the history of Dublin distilling. So we try and give them bite-sized little yeah. tasters. There's so much to do in Dublin anyway, if you're just there Exactly, for yeah. You can do the Dublin uh, Whiskey Museum, you can do Dublin walking tours. So we try and create an experience that's uniquely tealing. So very much production-led. Uh, they can come in, they have a coffee, they can have an Irish coffee in the bar upstairs, they can taste, you know, up to 20 different whiskeys, buy something from the gift shop. I want an Irish <laughs> coffee, Jeez. Did you have to say the IC word? God, Sorry. Yeah, I should have brought, Monday, I should have brought some takeaway cups. <laughs> it's okay, I digress. You had to say Irish coffee. Oh no. <laughs> I'll leave this behind. You no, but it's a, it's a, it Irish sounds coffee. like a great place to, to go visit if you're in Dublin, huh? Yeah, we most recently won an award for the experience as well. So uh, a lot of people are starting to realize what a great experience it is. You know, uh, less of a pseudo experience and more of, you know, warts and all. You can see the guys. We recently uh, had some problems with the boiler. And, uh, you know, the, the, the consumers see that, you know, you don't, yeah. you don't circumvent it. You see, you know, the guys running around with wrenches going, ah, ah, mm. I don't want to get seen or yelled at, but yeah, it's a warts and all experience. Things go wrong. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. That's the deal. That's funny. Mm -hmm. It's great life. What do you order? What do you order at the pub? Uh, I tend to stick with whiskey. I know where I'm at <laughs> with whiskey. I can drink whiskeys all night long. But give me two or three Guinness. Uh, the ability to maintain and like function. A pie or something. <laughs> Do you get the Irish breakfast no matter what time it is? Uh, there's something that a lot of Dublin pubs do well. It's, a, it's just a ham and cheese toasty. Toasty. Yeah, ham and cheese toasty, a Guinness and a whiskey. That's pretty pretty. I think Dublin. I could live off of toasties and whiskey. Yeah, that seems like a good life. <laughs> what's, what's this third whiskey we want to so, try tonight? This is our single malt. So I, I kind of mentioned fancy. there that we do a lot of experimentation with casks. It's all well and good to say that you do a lot of experimentation with casks, but unless they come together as a, a balanced, award-winning finished product like this one, then what's the point? So what we have here is single malt, Irish single malt. Irish single malts tend to be quite fruit forward. As you well know, this probably goes even further beyond and down that line a little bit. This is five different mm. wine casks. It's also it's got some like cool, a cool cheesy vibe going on in here as oh, well. Oh, definitely. Like, definitely. Makes, it makes it, a fantastic pairing with blue cheese, I found. Yeah, I, like, I can smell the blue cheese in there. All, like I want to have some fruit <laughs> and blue cheese with this. It smells delicious. So as I said earlier, between 9 and 23 years old, you've got a fully matured sherry, single malts, and then four finishes, 
uh, ports, Madeira, Cabernet Sauvignon, and White Burgundy. Wow. Or Chardonnay. So all these different flavors in whiskey playing off one another, exploding at different points in the palate. Every experience is changing and different. So a very unique and complex wow, symphony really of flavor. Yeah, you got great berry character and floral notes. Mm-hmm. You can like blueberry. And oh, it's like this, um, like a malt cereal, cool vanilla. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I get like green apple, like a, like a big bite of Granny Smith apple, kind of fresh juiciness, just to kind of cap that off into citrus of the, of the white burgundy, and then suddenly Ooh, wow. plum and apricot on the finish. It's wow, yeah, it's totally different beast on the tongue <laughs> as opposed to the nose. Like, yeah, and that'll change it too. when you taste it. The smell is like really light and delicate, you know, but like really full-bodied, it's gorgeous. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's exciting because I mean, you've got, these, and it, these are very different from the three that you've just tried. So I think that's the big uphill battle for us is reminding the general public, you know, there's so much variance in Irish whiskey, I think, that have yet to be explored. And we haven't even got to the fourth one yet, the only unique Irish style of whiskey. So, now, um, is the grain alcohol the same for all of the, the whiskeys? Like, uh, so yeah, corn-based distillate agent uh, in red wine, and then the corn-based of the uh, blend is in ex-bourbon cast, but yeah, distilled the same. Same basic distillate. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the malts, obviously malted barley, and then we've got in our last whiskey uh, from Dublin. So that's where it's different again. So this is Dublin distilled. Well, let's try it. <laughs> now I'm still getting on this uh, single malt here. It's really quite deep. It's got a really so much layers to it but it's also very astringent too it's got like it does it, yeah it does have like somehow the astringency kind of makes it easier to get into like you can kind of go deeper with your nose into it because there's just less things in the way you can like get into the int intricacies a lot yeah like put kind of peeling the the moisture up off the sides of your palate and then encouraging that second sip so this last one is the Single pot still. Single pot so this is from Dublin. So very exciting for us. So it's uh, yet to launch here. It's just been shipped over. We're very excited uh, to launch uh, in a few states over here. We're having the smallest excited. launch party ever. Just <laughs> me and you right now. It's, like, it's not good marketing. I mean, we can only tell so many people, right? No, no it's very guys said podcast. <laughs> it's all we know. I like to do it with the people. We, when is it going to launch? Uh, in a few months, it's just, it's basically yeah, setting up. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, much ready yeah. to go. It's uh, a... <laughs> yeah. We'll get it. Well, we, I think we need to do a whole, like, launch all over. We're just gonna, we're just gonna throw this one in the can so we can do it all over again and talk about... Like, yeah, any day now. All right. Any day now. So Very exciting. What, what's different about the pot still? So you know yourself, uh, the, the one company's kind of dominated that category currently is Middleton with your red breasts and your powers, John's Lane and your green spots and things like that. We knew we needed to be different. So just kind of rewinding back to 2018, when this turned three years old, uh, the first 100 bottles we gave to a charity auction for Dublin Charities, and we sold those on a charity auction website or a whiskey auction website. Uh, bottle number one broke the world record for the most ever spent on a new distillery's whiskey. So it was 10,000 British sterling, so roughly about 15,000 US dollars for one three-year-old bottle of whiskey. Uh, not a brag on, you know, tealing or anything. It's a That's piece a of history. Terrible bargain. No. <laughs> What's well, a piece of history? It's the first Dublin <laughs> distilled. Uh, so now it's about growing that category. 
So finding our voice within the single pot still category that isn't what's been done before. Uh, so essentially what we've got here is 50% malted barley, 50% unmalted barley. So you know yourself from pot still, it's going to be quite spicy, but what sets this apart is we have 25% of this is aged in virgin American oak casks. So wow. just nose this. It smells brilliant. Oh, such good vanilla, honeycomb, butterscotch, toffee, caramel. Yeah, the toffee is so strong, for so sure. So it's a lot of those kind of uh, flavors you recognize on the nose, but then taste, you're gonna get something remarkably different. Wow, I'm getting like this kind of like juicy fruit thing happening too. It's like <laughs> tooty fruity, it's delicious smelling. Yeah, fantastic nose, but then yeah, on the palate, significantly spicy. Mm. So that unmalted barley paired with another 25% of the maturation, which is in Oloroso sherry. Mm. So really kind of leaning wow. into that spiciness of single pot still, a traditional Irish style of whiskey. Oh, yeah. So it is remarkably different on the palate. So it starts with something you recognize and then immediately on the palate, something different, something new, something exciting. The sherry plays in there so wonderfully. It's incredible. It, it does stay true to that spicy Silky nature. And, and chocolatey and big red fruit character, like red raspberry, yeah. dark chocolate truffle. 100%, like almost like a Madeira kind of. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so 50% malted barley, 50% unmalted barley. 50% uh, of the maturation is in ex-bourbon casks, 25% in virgin American oak, and 25% in sherry casks. And, and hopefully the price has come down since it first came out. Hopefully, bottle, the, yeah. Bottle, <laughs> one. Is this bottle number two that we're having right <laughs> now? No, this is the first, um, first globally produced single pot still uh, that isn't from Middleton, uh, but very quickly followed by Kilbegan. I think they released a couple months after us, but we're ready to go in the US. You know, it's uh, absolutely amazing. It's just getting it into the licenses now. It's in the US. It's just getting them to the stores, getting them into people's hands, getting them into your hands. And I love it. I can't and, wait to uh, yeah, tell to people about people it. Onto it. I hope so. It's amazing. And the bottle price. Do you know what it's going to be? I better yeah, check with our uh, sixty. Sixty? Are you kidding me? That's a great bargain. <laughs> That's way down from $15,000 a glass. <laughs> Just a little bit, a little bit of a discount. But uh, it's a, yeah, like it's great to see that's kind of re-emergence of that category. We want to broaden people's horizons again, bring people to the single pot still category. We're very proud of that category. Yeah, so for sure. Hopefully bring some, uh, some new fans to and, single pot and still. And all those different marriages of barrels. There's a great tradition there as well. I imagine because Dublin was like a shipping hub yeah. that it would have had a lot of different wine historically a lot of different barrels to play with for the whiskey makers and it wasn't like they're we've got to kind of reverse engineer for ourselves in the modern day because it wasn't like they were like let's think of this great flavor profile no. they're more just like no. i need more barrels yeah what do you guys got i'll just take whatever you have exactly what yeah you to have in it oh wine cool cool as long as yeah. it wasn't tar you know <laughs> well that's the thing yeah barrels were the the cardboard box of that era and uh they just empty a barrel and roll it down to the distillery and say fill it up and very quickly they learned that barrels that previously held port and sherry made far tastier whiskey than barrels that previously held fish yeah. or pickles <laughs> or apples. Oh, um, yeah, pickle. so, yeah. Now that's going to happen. Somebody here oh, in, 100%. In, in America is going to make a pickle barrel whiskey. <laughs> and it's not going to be us. <laughs> but that, uh, that, that brings on a good point. So uh, these are predominantly kind of oak casts, but historically, you know, oak is a great container makes a great different barrel but due to the classification around irish whiskey and the looseness 
of the classification Irish whiskey, it allows us to use a lot of different season casks. So you know yourself, the classification the classification around Scotch is is quite traditional and strict, and they were trying to make Scotch the premium, preeminent form of whiskey in the world. So that comes with a lot of uh, you know uh, uh, geographical indication rules and regulations. Uh, the Irish whiskey industry, however, a little bit looser, a little bit freer. Uh, so when Scotch says it has to be aged in this and it has to be only matured with this and it's only seasoned by this and it's got to be three years, the Irish whiskey industry went, yeah, got to be aged in wood, like oak. So that brings in our secret whiskey right here. So we've got a uh, chestnut matured or chestnut finished single cask. Is that safe to eat? <laughs> So chestnut is fantastic. So uh, you probably well know that uh, historically chestnut barrels were used in the maturation of cognac until they changed the regulations and now uh, cognac can no longer use chestnut casks. Alexander Gabriel from Pierre Ferrand did a chestnut aged renegade cask because he wasn't allowed to call it cognac. But luckily in the Irish whiskey industry we are allowed to use these other non-porous hardwoods. So this came out to the US there late last year. It's a single malt. Uh, distilled in 20, 2005, uh, pulled out a cask at 55.1. Uh, it was finished in a PX brandy chestnut cask. Wow. For, uh, okay, so to back up the history of, of chestnut cask a little bit, a cask a little bit, it would have been that that was a, a great barrel wood back in the day. There mm -hmm. just wasn't that much of it, and, and now there's barely any of it at all. Yeah, I mean, not many uh, current producers use it because you, know, you think about angel share and soakage in oak, it's about so it's a lot bigger here, but in the in Ireland and Scotland, you lose about two percent every year to angel share and soakage and, and things like that. Chestnut, you can lose up to ten percent, and that's in Ireland and Scotland where it's very temp temperate. Wow. So if you use it over here, you're losing a lot of booze. It lets a lot of air out, huh? Yeah, well, you can see it on the outside of the cask too. So you leave it in the in the rack house. And you can see a whiskey on the outside of the cask. I don't think you're supposed to see whiskey on the outside yeah, of the cask. Yeah, that sounds like a leaky barrel to me, man. <laughs> don't use that kind of word. That's stupid. But uh, but it. feel free to taste it and tell me that it doesn't Ooh, provide something wow. truly unique. It's got this really creamy-like mouthfeel. Uh, when we were trying to discover the flavor notes of this, we couldn't shake vanilla cheesecake, this peaches yeah, and cream. Like, it's, it's like an, an herbaceous cheesiness too. It's like berries and herbaceous cheesiness. It's it, really beautiful. It has a dairy-like kind of nose and mouthfeel to it that you just can't shake. And it's, you know, it's very unique and uh, tasty, very tasty. Mm. Oh yeah, 55. <laughs> I'm down with that. <laughs> 110 proof. Wow, that is exquisite, and it's got such a crazy mouthfeel to it. Mm -hmm. Changes yeah. the whole structure of the of the travel, you know. Real and strong maple kind of thing happening. Yeah, there, yeah, know? definitely like a uh, yeah, maple syrup kind of, but not that like cloyingly so. Just like that underlying hint of there's definitely a. It's not oak, you know. What I mean? <laughs> it's like that. It's chestnut. Yeah. It's like it's like a a peanut brittle. Kind of thing happening in there. Um, nice, right? That is crazy. It's very lovely, isn't it? Yeah. So we're doing a lot of experimentation. So like we're saying, you know, all this innovation that we're doing, it, it is about learning what these casks do to our whiskey. So in some cases, you know, we're obtaining all these different seasoned casks and using the exact same whiskey in all these different casks to not only create unique and interesting products, but also learn something as well. So in the future, we do something like crystal rye or crystal malts and we distill it and we age it and it 
after 10 years, it's missing that certain something. You're like, you know what? This could really benefit from a hint of apricot. We at Teeling like to think we know where to go to find that missing flavor, whether it's like the sauterne that we used from Bordeaux or it's the chestnut cast that we picked up from. So who's the person, your master blender, who's like knows the schematic of where all those magic That's uh, are? That's Alex Chasco is our master distiller, master blender. So he's from Portland, Oregon. He was a brewer over here in Bridgeport Brewing, and then he did his MSc at, uh, at Harriet Watt. And as he was uh, the master of innovation at the Kilbegan Distillery for John Teeling previously, and was the first employee for the Teeling Whiskey Company. Uh, under Jack and Stephen Teeling, so yeah, he's well, the... He's doing a hell of a job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I'm having a bad day, I'll just go talk to Alex, go out, what you're working on today, Alex? What's, <laughs> what's behind the, uh, the, the the curtain here? <laughs> right well, Rob, thank you so much for no, taking no. the time to come down and talk to us today, and when the pot still comes out, let's launch it here in Whiskey Society. We gotta get more, we gotta turn people on to that whiskey, it's gonna be crazy. I'm 100% down for that. I like the pretty new <laughs> label. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Thanks, man. Thanks, Pedro. Cheers. Cheers. Chestnut whiskey. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget, drink to remember. <laughs>